Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. So do we need a new theme song for this podcast since we've got everything? Everything on SKUs is new. Do we have to change out the theme We just song? got our new file on the FLF app. So now all of our 2023 episodes are in the same place, and they're not in the same place as the 2022 episodes. It's about time. So if I you haven't like been able to find our podcast, it's because we try to make it as obscure and difficult to locate as possible. It's too late. For, it's too late to pretend like we're like going to do a, a new one in honor of the new season. We should wait till January. And then do a new theme song. Because we've had literally that theme song. I don't know why I put the word literally in there. But we've had that theme song since the beginning. Um, Since the absolute first episode. Yes. Yeah, but but where did it come from? I made it with my daw. You want to go back to the old... I made it with my digital audio workstation. You want to go make, go back to the original, um, like the one that sounded like Seinfeld? We never had one that sounded like Seinfeld. Mm, yes, you did. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That was that was Comedy Sojourn, though. Mm. It's probably the same. Well, if, if yeah. the consensus is we don't need another one right now, then that's great because I don't want to make another one. You could have JT make one for us. Or Jasmine. Or Jasmine. Either one of them could do a great... Jasmine's uh, song gets stuck in my head, and I find myself humming it and whistling it. So it's it's almost Easter. By the time you're listening to this, Carl, it will be past Easter. So happy Resurrection Mm -hmm. Sunday. And Easter. And uh, the Peaches is going to talk about the importance of writing letters to people. Thanks for that. (laughs) Thanks for that riveting, super interesting introduction. (laughs) First of all, I didn't even know that I was going to talk about that. I Normally, I would come prepared with something that I wanted to talk about. And did you do that tonight? No, but okay. at the least you could have made it sound like you were interested in hearing about it. I did am she inter- tell you she forgot we were podcasting? It's what? She forgot we were podcasting. Did she? It's because dinner was being grilled. I wasn't thinking about anything except food. Except food. That television is so loud. <laughs> Wait. I don't hear it. I guess it's not being picked up. I don't hear it. It's not really being picked up on the soundboard, so I'll just pretend like I can't hear it. Um, so the the ability to articulate a uh, problem. <laughs> Go on. Tell us about the ability... I can't now because I articulate. I, it <laughs> struck me how poorly I was articulating myself. 
Uh, in the middle of that sentence, and it took me off my game. The ability to say things for other people. Mm-hmm. The ability to put other people's perspective and words into a format that they go, yes, this is what I meant to say. Is a thing that you've been doing for, I don't want to say regularly, but you have done it in the past. The, the one mm-hmm. that I'm thinking of is when you wrote that letter for Luke for the... Uh, COVID yeah. exemption. To get him out of the vaccine. Yeah, get him out of the COVID vaccine. And that actually was picked up by at least one other person that I know of. It, it was picked up by several listeners of the podcast. Did they? Yeah. It, it, I published it in the Telegram group for your comedy click. And so at least two people from there used it. Mm-hmm. And then we actually know real life people. My brother used it. Um. Oh, for the military. And then I forget, somebody else emailed us too. I think Carl emailed us at least once. Well, we had a uh, situation where there's a, a person that we are friends with who goes to our church who's having problems with, with his son, and you offered to write a letter. I have not offered I have not. You uh, you said you were going to offer. Yeah, I haven't letter. talked directly to this guy. It just occurred to me. Did you think twice about it? No, I, oh. tomorrow Sunday I can talk to him then. But I, I have a life. I have other things I have to do. Sometimes, like I had to clean my shoe shelf today. Who's going to clean the shoe shelf if I don't do that? And also, I moved the. Also, hey, I had this to clean is the important. shoe shelf. Hey guys, this is important. So I moved the boys' bed this morning, and I and moved found... Colin's bed, and then I moved Silas' bed. I oh. did not find anything under I the bed. I thought you said you found something. Just before, well, just before I gave up all hope, I went. Wait a minute. Wonder if it's in that box. And I opened the box, and sure enough, the clask magnets that have been missing for three days. So now we can play clask again. Who would have found the magnets if I were talking to somebody about it? How do they get separated from the class? Oh, because they stick together and they look like a gun when you stick them together. So <laughs> Silas took them upstairs to play with to the shoot gun. things. Yeah. So did he use proper trigger discipline? I was just uh, about to ask that. Don't. I was just about to ask if his finger started. was on the trigger. Just when they, just when they finally <laughs> put the kibosh on all the Gary Demar talk, there's more controversy there's in the another FLS scandal Facebook group. Ugh, because because there was a picture where somebody looked like they might have had their finger on the trigger, <laughs> they or they might have been thinking about putting their finger on. It the looked trigger. like at some point in their lives they might have almost thought about putting their finger on a trigger when they weren't shooting something. Mm-hmm. So and then and then he came forward. Somebody said that he was asked about it, and he said that his finger was not on the trigger; it was curled underneath, and it was the photo. No, no, they didn't say. They didn't even oh. claim that he was lying. They were like, "Well, in that case, it's even more ridiculous for them to have published a picture where the optics were bad." <laughs> Person who knew what they were doing with a camera would. I almost wish his finger was on the trigger. It would have made a different decision if they knew what they were doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Because he had a finger somewhere in the vicinity of the trigger, <laughs> and the person with the camera didn't know what they were doing, and the person editing the photo didn't know what they were doing. Aren't you supposed to actually remove the trigger from the gun before you put it in a photograph? <laughs> Using your teeth, not your finger. Aren't you supposed to remove all of the firing mechanisms? Yep. Yep. And make the gun out of 
soap. You're supposed, right. You're supposed to remove the trigger with like a pair of pliers or something other than your fingers because they should never go there. Well, what are you going to hold the pliers with? With yeah. Well, what are you gonna? What are you gonna use? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just can't deal with it. So you were very it. busy in shoe shelf and boy bed and, and, and shoe and shelf, magnets. and that's and why magnets. you didn't write and the letter. Clasp magnets, and that's why I didn't write the letter. Because yeah. the the reason that you want to write a letter is because we have talked before about how you wish there's there's some people that you just wish you could climb inside of them and operate them like a puppet when they are you engaged. Say that. That's what I say. You say I would that like to time. get inside a person and just move for them and speak for them when they're engaging with family and friends because I would do a better job of communicating for them. Well, that that's tends what to I be, think in my hubris. That tends I often to be a social think skill. I wish that person would transfer their budget and all their money to me, and I will not waste it the way that they are. Ah, see, I will that's teach them similar. You know, at the end of the month, they will have way more money than they would have. Right. But I can't do that. I can't just take, take all their over money. somebody's finances for them. I think I think we're talking about, I think the theme is developing for this episode already. Because mm. you're talking about somebody who tends to make poor decisions in social environments. Like somebody who doesn't really communicate well. And I was just saying before we started recording, when we were talking about the controversy with the trigger discipline, I was like, listen, fellas, I don't care how much you know about guns if you annoy everyone in the vicinity with your knowledge it like i have no respect for that i don't i don't have respect for somebody who has all of this information in their head and also like no friends because they're just so okay, but, but is that can you can you put that completely on the person for being annoying or isn't it partially my responsibility to not be annoyed by those people okay but i was comparing it to the women in the in the uh, mommy groups with their issues with um, seeing pictures of kids with improperly buckled car seats. Car seats. Yeah. And it's a big thing. Like it's a huge, I don't want to say trend, but like every single mommy group, there's the lady, if not a group of ladies who are like immediately going to land on you. If you share a picture to the point that now if a person, <laughs> if a mom shares a picture of their kid in a car seat, they will actually specify we were not in the car or this car seat, you know, we had just gotten to such and such place and we had taken them out and we were not going in the car yet. This, please do not send me messages <laughs> telling me that this is buckled improperly. I know it the is. The easiest thing to do is just take the kid out of the car seat before you take a picture. Well, of but if, if they're doing something cute, you know, or actually they're, no, they're no. like, well, they're there trapped. is no reason to do a, to put a child at risk. Yeah. That's what if it is. If they're doing something cute. Because you're, if you're on the internet for 30 seconds as a mom, you know that there's going to be somebody who's going to come and helpfully tell you that, by the way, that's not safe. you're a bad safe. mom. That's not safe. And it's not, it's not my fault that you're doing something <laughs> that's not safe. That would Mrs. be an Lady. interesting YouTube channel to just have one thing in each video that's obviously wrong. <laughs> Like a car seat that's horribly put in, or they like, do like that Marla's now. air fryer that was too dirty for the internet. Yes, that she you know, Marla broke well, the internet you know with a dirty air fryer. <laughs> what would be hilarious would be get a kid that's improperly buckled in a car seat and have that 
like in the foreground, and then in the background, there's another kid with a flamethrower <laughs> yes. shooting it at the house. Yeah. You always put like put something catastrophic in the background, right. but in the foreground is this kid that's improperly buckled They're, in the they car They are seat. actually doing that for clicks now, like shorts <laughs> on TikTok and on YouTube. Like there's this mom, for instance, who was like, here, let me show you around our homeschool. You know, we get up at... Well, we get up at 6 a.m. Well, I don't. I sleep till 10, but my four-year-old wakes up and gets the baby dressed and, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Because we're just, just so to sick Just to set everybody's hair on fire. We're so sick of the people who come out, like, with their fingers wagging to be like, oh, by the way, don't forget this, this, and this. <laughs> so when a We should later, do an Easter up. egg hunt and all the eggs are in the street. <laughs> <laughs> right. On the train tracks. Yeah. <laughs> you could. Like, right next to a... To the edge of a building or a cliff. Right. Or they're filled with pills or something. <laughs> <laughs> or knives. Yeah. Or marbles. <laughs> right. Or little, uh, no, you know what it is. Little BBs. Um, water beads now are the thing that everybody's oh, yeah, all upset yeah, yeah. about. Water beads are dangerous. I remember when we had uh, those buckyballs. Remember those yep. magnetic, earth magnet buckyballs? Yep. I still have a whole bunch of those because they were outlawed. Because it turns out you shouldn't swallow them. They're bad for you. It's like, no kidding. You shouldn't swallow them. Uh, how many things can kids swallow that are still readily available? How that many, is the how wrong question to things? ask. <laughs> That's the wrong way to phrase that question. Because there's a Karen out there somewhere who is more than ready to take them I off mean, the shelf. I count one, two, three. I count at least uh, eight thumbtacks up there. Right. Which could be easily swallowed. Yes. By any child. Yep, and staples too. And you can just go to the store and buy thumbtacks without a license. Yep. You don't need to show ID or anything. You can walk out with as many thumbtacks as you want. I What I was saying was I can't imagine being the person who is making the big deal out of that and be doing it unironically. I can't, I can't imagine being the person who actually has convinced herself or himself this is going to change the world in a positive way. If Do you think I, I'm being ironic about thumbtacks? If I act like a psychopath, people will like me. If I do it in a serious and not joking kind of way. Right. But but my original question is, remains. Uh-huh. I mean, what is it? Granted, those people are annoying, but aren't we? Don't we have some responsibility to not be annoyed and to, in some civil and reasonable manner try to explain our position to no, them i thought your i thought your position was that we have a responsibility a civic duty to mock them. to laugh at them <laughs> right right well yeah. well do we, then somebody doesn't somebody not me have a responsibility <laughs> to be civil okay. civil and so reasonable? that's what we have we've come back to what i was trying to that's say. how i that's how i avoid being annoyed by them is i just laugh at them right that's your you tend to laugh at people and so i have the, your voice in my head when i see some dudes on social media who are like oh the optics this is just such a bad look you can't tell people how to be a man when you've got a finger and it's near the gun <laughs> you can't be a man and they're like you can't mock me either because you just don't know how important it is. You don't know how serious it is. Like anybody who's mocking obviously has never held a gun in their obviously life. Obviously doesn't care. Like yes, and and that's exactly exactly how the lady talks in the car seat group too. Exactly you the same. You don't care way. if a child flies out of a car <laughs> in an accident. No joking matter. But you laugh, and I tend to be more of a teacher. Like in general, <laughs> I would rather 
take instead of like move the person like a puppet the way that you like to say mm-hmm. i want to sit them down in, i like, want total control i want to do a tutor situation where i'm like sitting across the table from them and i can be like help me understand and then i will do my best to help you understand that why, you're an idiot why my dad is laughing at you no. <laughs> i'd like to have a moment of your time so that no, i can teach you, you that. say that but then again you laughed at marla for having the form leather like, yes. Well, I know, but I then taught her why I was laughing. She's family. Too. Right. I said I have his voice in my head too. Okay. I can hear okay. why he's laughing. But yeah, Marla was one who, like a few years ago, said she confessed on the Four Sisters podcast <laughs> while we were recording with all four of us. She, we were talking about car seats, and she goes, "Well, you know, it's sometimes it's a hard it's hard to find the line between you know intruding or butting in and like she we were talking about being offended too easily too easily right. offended and she's like you know i've had a lot of good exchanges with people when i message them and i let them know that they have a problem with their car seat that like you know it ends up being an okay conversation but some people are offended and then she goes and for a long time i have well actually i still have this form letter in my phone it's saved in my phone so if i see somebody who's got an improperly buckled in car seat i can just send them a message <laughs> And I was like, what? What? Why are you laughing? What did you do? I just moved. So my my headphone cord is kind of short and I'm across the Every table. Every time he, he always insists on using the dumb headphones. He sits the farthest away. I've told him he could use these headphones and it has a longer cord that would reach across the table. But no, he uses this one that doesn't have a long enough cord. And then, and then he's like, my neck and, then, and then it's, it's stretched across the table tight like a guitar string and he's like leaning forward so i just scooched the roadcaster so that he would have some slack and then he made a face like like someone was giving him a back rub and it just Mm -hmm. struck me as funny Uh uh-huh great (laughs) you know you can move over too you don't have to sit in the farthest seat from the roadcaster no, he's got to sit at the head Patriarchy of the table. Chair. If you had offered to move the roadcaster, he would have said no, too, by the I way. Know. The only reason that he even let you do it was because he'd have to get up to stop you. No, my neck was starting to hurt. I See? I would have let him. I could tell. He looked uncomfortable. He looked He looked like, he looked like his headphones wire was too short. That's how he looked. Yep. It looked like the headphones were the only thing keeping me from floating away. Yeah, there was a lot of tension. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Continue. Uh, all right. So the people, now that I've posed the question, I will admit that the people who are the Karens, I guess is, was your word, but the people who... They take themselves too seriously. They take themselves too seriously. The people who, who deem that their information is super important and they are greatly offended if you say, well, you know what you're saying is really not that big a deal. It's not that important yeah. and I don't care about it. <laughs> And it makes you look weird yeah, when you care too much. I don't care much. about it. And it just lights them on fire. Um, yep. I, I understand being annoyed by them. Uh, but at some... It, is it even possible to to change them, to help them? This, is, that is officially being picked up on the soundboard now. That is it? big booming theatrical music. Just, some sort just of want to point that out. It's is it so is loud. it possible to see to 
to help people realize how weird they are when they take something too seriously? Or are they so busy Possible. taking it seriously that they don't that they can never see how weird well, it is? Well, it may it Marlove took it okay when Tabby and I laughed and she deleted the form letter by the way. She doesn't still private message strangers to let them know that their car seats aren't buckled right. So, I Okay, mean, so if you get a if you get an anonymous letter from somebody about your car seat, it's, it's not, not my it's grand not or my uh, daughter-in-law anymore. <laughs> it's not her. We nipped that one in the it's bud. It's not Marla. Um, so there are some people that you can that are kind of amenable to pull, to coming out of their own little world long enough to see themselves from a third person perspective. And right. Go, wow. But not yeah, everybody can do that, can no, they? Not everybody can. No. But you can learn from the people who can't recognize how serious they take themselves. How seriously. They take themselves, and then you can not be that way. So, what I was what I was comparing it to was there are the people who laugh, and then there are the people who try to take it, who try to teach in a more, uh, I don't know, in a more mentoring, tutoring kind of way, less you know, mocking. Um, but this week, Luke and I had a meeting with our elders at our church. Um, about what to do with a kid who's in the youth group who had committed some crimes. <laughs> Didn't we talk about this on the podcast? I, I think we did. I feel like we did, but the but the youth the kid in the youth group is now back. He right. went for eighteen months to a rehab treatment facility and is now back, and that's a new development. And so now that he's living in the same house he was living in before, he wants to be reamalgamated into the church. The elders wanted to talk to us about basically our recommendations and how would we handle it. But he's not, this boy is not the only sort of delinquent, maladapted kid who comes from a rough background in the church. And so through the course of the conversation with the elders, a couple of other instances or or, um, examples came up, other people's stories. And so while I was listening to all of these men talk about like their experiences with children, and when I say children, I mean like teens, like you know, young adults talking about how to deal with them. What should we do? You know, what, how can we still present them with Christ's love and, you know, uh, welcome them back into the family if that's what they want, but also recognize that many of them don't want that, you know, so they're going on and on about all of this really challenging, you know, situation that keeps repeating itself in other people's families. Um, And so I ended up reading a letter I had written to the boy in question um, and I, I wasn't going to necessarily, I took it just in case, but I wasn't sure that I would read it until I started hearing like these various emotional responses from the elders. So like some of them were trying to be dispassionate, but they were also obviously frustrated and, you know, not sure what to do with the situation. Everybody was not sure what to do. Um, one in particular was very vocally angry, like pounding on tables and, you know, as far as I am concerned, this kid never needs to come back to church anywhere. He's been given plenty of chances and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. Um, You've got sort of a sad, you know, long face sort of um, temperament where they're like, oh, you know, I can see both sides of this, but also that just grieves me. It grieves me. So as all that was going on, I was like, well, let me just read. Didn't anybody say that God can always work a miracle and we got to leave the door open? Yeah, somebody said that. It's always a chance. Yeah. yeah, at least one person said that. And there the was pastor sort of did. Yeah, so there's agreement. But, I mean, I think pretty much everybody agreed, though. And so right. the, the whole conversation was going 
really nowhere. I mean, everybody agreed that it was challenging. Everybody agreed that it could go a bunch of different ways. Everybody agreed God could make a you know miracle happen. Right. But nobody knew what to do practically. And before we walked in, Luke said to me, you know, we're going to be talking to men here and they're going to want some actionable steps. And so, you know, we can't just go in there and say, we can't just talk in general terms. You know, we want to be able to give them something to do. And I said, well, but I don't necessarily know what to do. So that's, uh, that's why I'm bringing it up. At the beginning of this meeting, they were saying, you know, well, what do you want? Basically, what do you want us to do? Tell us what, what would make your family more comfortable. Should we just tell this kid to never come back or, you know, what? And so I read my letter. It's a three-page letter, single-spaced, 12-point font. <laughs> it's a chunker. But It's a midterm paper. Basically, I took the letter that the, the kid had written to us and to our daughter apologizing and, you know, asking for, for forgiveness or saying that he would like to make it right. Um, but it wasn't a Christian letter in the sense that it didn't reference God. It didn't reference, you know, Jesus. There was no reason for forgiveness other than just that's what his therapist has been teaching him about, right. I think. There's no, there, it lacked an understanding of repentance yeah. and uh, redemption. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. And so, and then interestingly, through the course of the conversation, one of the leaders was vocally angry about the letter itself, that the kid had written a letter instead of coming to us face-to-face. -face. Right. And um, so all of that was floating around in my head. Um, I ended up reading my letter out loud to these men and, like, I think kind of dumbstruck them a little bit. Like, I don't think they were really prepared for, like, how thick it was. And I don't just mean how long it was. Like, it was three pages, double space. It was three Or it was a single space. I, I was really... I was really vulnerable, but it's how I write, though. Like, I was using pieces of his letter that he had written and telling him what I agreed with, but also telling him why I needed it to go a little bit further. And here's right. what Jesus tells us. And, you know, here's why here's why um, real forgiveness matters. You know, here's where it comes from. And here's why all of us mess up and we need Jesus. And, you know, that kind of thing. So... Um, at the end of all that, everybody just kind of stared at me for an awkward <laughs> amount of time. But, but it didn't feel weird, though. Like, I, I kind of felt like... It felt weird after, like, the 10th or 11th second of silence. Like, okay. Did it feel weird? Towards the very end of it. Because, like, somebody... Toward the end of the silence? something. Yeah. I, let it, I let it sit. I kind of let it hang there. Kind of like Michael Jordan in the air. And then, <laughs> right. And then, and then everybody's looking at their feet, and Luke is like, who's going to say something? <laughs> you could have said something, honey. Who's going to say a thing? I should have just stood up and just started clapping. Is what I done. <laughs> no, that would have been awkward. Just slow clap. <laughs> that would have been weird. I would have taken it to the weird place. But um, I got the sense, and maybe Luke got a different sense, but I got the sense that like that was kind of what was needed. As everybody was sort of like, saying what they could say from their own perspective, it wasn't going anywhere. And then I was able to kind of put out on the table at the very end of the meeting, this thing that I had spent a day or two working on. So it wasn't just like a stream of conscious thing. Like this was a completed, you know, essay, basically it's a tome of all of the thoughts that I had had the chance to develop over many, many months leading right. up to eventually writing the actual It probably letter. helped that you were the mother in the room too. Right. That gave it a little more weight as right. well. Right. And so I kind of felt like it 
capped the meeting nicely. Like everybody was going, wow, all this time we were trying to look for the right words to say what we were thinking and feeling. And we were kind of agreeing, but also kind of dancing around some important stuff. And like that letter hit all the important highlights. Like that's, that's how it felt to me. And so when we got home, that's when I thought, you know, they were asking me, what did I want to do? Or how, how did I see us, you know, moving forward? And I, they asked if I could be a resource to other families who might find themselves in a situation where, you know, a child was injured somehow. So somehow somebody was abused or somebody was, um, you know, unjustly treated. Could I be a resource to other parents? I was like, sure. Like, you guys have my cell number, you know, have people get a hold of me. It's fine. Right. But at, it was when we got home that I thought, you know, what I would like to do is teach a class on how to write letters, on how to express your inner thoughts, specifically how to write to your children. And I have a lot of experience in that department. I write a letter to each of my kids every year on their birthday. So, you know, however many that would be. And I've been writing to Luke for our entire relationship. I wrote uh, every day for when we were before we got married. It was my journal. But instead of Dear Diary, I wrote Dear Luke. Um, what else? But yeah, I got a stack of encyclopedias, basically, yes. when we got married. <laughs> Listen, Carl, just because somebody doesn't appreciate it doesn't mean that your kids wouldn't. They were great. <laughs> doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And so... Yes, I think that... That's how she communicates. She's not a speaker, she's a writer. Right, I'm more of a writer. And so, I, but I think that the... That's what I said at the beginning of the letter to this boy, too, because he had written to us, and I said, I'm glad to see that you're writing. For me, writing has always been a good outlet. It's always helpful to see your words on paper because it helps you sort out what's true and what's false. And everybody has some thoughts in their head that are true. Everybody has some thoughts in their head that are not true. And so when you, when you learn how to organize your thoughts into a letter, this is a good process for you, even if the person who receives the letter doesn't understand it or mm -hmm. doesn't appreciate it for some reason. It's still good for the writer as much as right. it is for anyone else. So, Well, that's true when I'm blogging. There's, yes. a, there's a lot of stuff that gets cut because after I write it down, it's like, wait, that's not correct. That's not what I want to write. Right. Or you'll write it and, um, and then completely reorient everything the next day, like if I if I write down notes in the middle of the night or like the day before, I'm like, oh, I'd like to write a blog post tomorrow. It's going to be about this. The way that I have it flowing in my head when it first comes together, like when I first formulate it as a plan, is never the way that it ends up when I actually hit publish. Mm -hmm. Almost never. Like by the time it actually sees other people's eyes, it's it's sometimes like not even a, the same subject anymore, right. but like right. if, at very least it'll have a completely different spin. A lot or, of times I have to go back and change the title. Yes. <laughs> I'll put a title and I'll write and I'll go, oh, that title doesn't work anymore. The title doesn't work. No. Or occasionally I will change, like I'll change the last paragraph to kind of bring it back up to the title again, but those aren't necessarily my favorites. That feels like cheating a little bit. Um, but, so, well, yeah. your point is that you're going to you're gonna try to teach people or offer a class to teach people how to write. And specifically, I, I think the idea of writing letters on behalf of another person is, is actually mm -hmm. a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know how to do it, too. Like, that's, the, that's what makes me excited about it. I know that if I've got somebody sitting across from me who's pounding the table and angry, 
there's, I'm not afraid of that emotion. I'm like, there's good stuff in there. I know that if I ask the right questions, that he is going to tell me things that I will be able to make matter on a, you know, on a piece of paper. Like there's stuff there. If you're trying to write a birthday card for your three-year-old niece that you only see once a year anyway, not your girl. Like that's going to really be challenging. You might as well just go to Hallmark and pick out something that says, you know, you're so sweet and smiley and here's a, here's a Bible verse, you know. But if you've got a... Roses are red, puzzles come in pieces. You're one of my favorite nieces. (laughs) Right. That would work. That would totally work. But... Impressive. Huh? Impressive. Yeah. You're one of my favorite. I have a gift. (laughs) Luke's favorite thing is to take cards that are not for the occasion... And and scratch them out. Rewrite them. Yeah. Yeah. And ever since we talked about that on the podcast... One of our good friends, whenever he comes to stay with us, also brings us a card that's been doctored because he just thought it was so great. So, like, his card on the on the fridge said, you're the greatest, I think it said husband originally, and then he scratched out husband and wrote hosts. So, hosts instead. I think that's what it was. And made it for you guys. He definitely changed it to host instead yeah. of whatever it was. But <laughs> it's way more it's way more fun to get those cards, I think. Right. It's got the personal touch. Yeah. Yeah. But like I know if I were teaching a class on the subject, and this could be my very first, you know, this could be my very first lecture right here, that you start with emotion. Instead a lot of people are trying to cover up the emotion or they're afraid that it's gonna be too sappy, or they're afraid that like they're afraid if it's an angry emotion, especially that that that's the one you want to avoid. You know, you want to try to right. shove that aside and then not deal with it right no, now. That's what I didn't. I don't want to write when I'm emotional. Right, right, and that's the complete wrong instinct. I like, know. Those, I'm wrong about everything. <laughs> those emotions are telling you where the most work needs to be done. Like I know where the issue is. I just have been told. I I grew up in church. I grew up in church, and I was told that you know. Not directly, but indirectly, any sort of any sort of excessive emotion is a thing right. that you have to avoid. Right. And you have to get it under control. But it's gotta... not, it, like, actually it makes the biggest impact when you're honest. And so lesson one would be tell the truth. Um, and then lesson two would be how to figure out what the truth is, of course, because there's always going to be some some untruths mixed in and that's not going to help anybody. And And... If you're doing it, if you're writing a letter or you're trying to express yourself because you just want to make yourself feel better, that's not going to end well either. But if you're doing it because you actually do believe what the Bible says, that the truth will set you free, well, then that can be a very redemptive and healing process for both you and the person that you're trying to write the letter to. Um, and so that would be that would be lesson one. And I, I distinctly remember in college, I was writing a letter to Luke. We had been fighting. I do not remember what we were fighting about. I would, do you? I'd be happy to share. <laughs> he would have no hope of remembering <laughs> because it was all the time. Like I was always upset about something. Uh-huh. It wasn't like, I, I think I probably would remember if it was something really, really serious. I think I'd just been annoyed with him probably because he was sleeping I late. was probably late somewhere. Crashing his car. he didn't get his paper written. Getting or, pulled over by a cop. I was pulling an all nighter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Never sleeping, you know, waiting till the last minute to do stuff. Anyway. Probably something like that. Oh, Pick Luke. But all those things that I don't do anymore. <laughs> well, that's actually, <laughs> that's fairly true. That's pretty true. You have definitely grown up in 
those regards. Like you're not the same person you were. In those he days. was over at Luke or at uh, Joe's house today. Before Joe was yanking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You were in there before they got there. Well, we got there before he arrived. But, yeah, we uh, got there because we, they were running late with their small kids, and we were you on were time. Yanking asbestos out of the. We were pulling out asbestos. Got all of it too. Hauling asbestos. Thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> we looked like spacemen in our bunny suits and goggles. And did you get all decked out? Did Joe covered. too? Because mm-hmm. I know that Joe likes to forgo all safety. Oh no, he was all about the safety. Was he? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a lab guy. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I remembered. I've seen a number of incidents. Okay. Incidents no. out in your garage where no, you guys I happen are- to know about. Joe, that he's a rule follower. I happen to know because he's married to my sister. I happen to know that when it came time for them to take a pregnancy test, all of the other time, like they've had three kids, so all three cases, he would not let her not use the box instructions. (laughs) Okay, so I don't know. I don't know how much detail we want to go into, but like you must use three drops. (laughs) No more, no less. And you must set a timer for three minutes and only check results after three minutes because before three minutes or after three minutes, it could be giving you a false reading. That's that's Joe. That's his yeah. knowledge. That's, that's also his that's also lab guy stuff. Right. That's why I said he's a lab guy. So I'm not surprised that he would be all about the safety with the asbestos. <laughs> yeah. T- it's not a pregnancy test. You just pee on the stick. Right. right. Well, or you can. Yeah, he can pee in a cup I'd, and I'd dip it. I'd be yanking on it. He'd be right there with a spray bottle, making sure it was all wet. <laughs> right. Three, uh, three drops. Yeah. Three drops. Yep. Because I was the one talking to Tabby about it, and I was like, "Listen, I have taken more pregnancy tests than you have, and they've all told me negative when they were negative and They're positive, positive when, when they were positive. positive." And she goes, "I'm not the one you need to be talking to. <laughs> doctor, I'm not the one worried about it." Doctor, my husband. <laughs> so any. Way. I don't know what I was saying. Uh, oh, college. I remember now. I was right. mad at Luke, yeah. but only mildly. Only something small, like only he wouldn't let me. You're mildly angry, so I'm going to write a letter. Most mildly <laughs> right. angry people right. take the time to write a letter. No, that's the perfect time to write a letter. Don't wait till you're so spitting mad that you can't even think straight. When I they don't want to write a letter. Anything except the F word. If I don't want to write a letter, that's when you know it's like really <laughs> bad. I'm like giving up all hope. I've, I've committed literary suicide. It's, it's all over. <laughs> like, never mind. This can't be fixed. But um, I was writing to him, and I let my friend, um, I can't even remember which friend it was, because we had a group. That had would, so many. We would, well, there were four or five of us who always ate together, and we're pretty close, and we'd talk, and we were all part of the writing program. So I was like, you know, it's just writing to Luke, and I said, I'd basically, I had been convicted at chapel that, you know, problems are often magnified when you have, when you have the plank in your own eye kind of thing. Um, and so I was like, oh man, like I've been really irritated with Luke lately. It's probably, probably has to do with the fact that I'm also in the wrong. Like there's probably stuff that I need to deal with too. And so I started the letter by listing all of these things that I was frustrated by. I was like, look, you know, you're late all the time and you get speeding tickets and you don't, you wait until the last minute to do your work and things like that. But 
here are the things that I appreciate about you. And here's why I think that, that that could still be a good balance to my, you know, to my foibles or to my, my sins. Here's the things that I've been doing wrong lately, you know, and I listed those too. Again, don't remember all the details, but I do remember starting with the fact that I was frustrated with him and I listed the things I was frustrated with. And my friend was like, you're going to put that in a letter <laughs> to your boyfriend. You're going to tell him all the things you don't like about him. And I was like, well, yeah, but like, I'm going to follow it up with, here's the things that I also need to work on. And here's why, you know, I still think that, that this could work out, you know? And she was like, I don't get it. We had been together like three years. I mean, the dynamics of our relationship, we were basically married already. You can say those kind of things. You need to move your microphone closer to your face instead of trying to shout across the room. You have to get closer to the microphone. You're like this. Get close like this. No, I'm not. Get very close. <laughs> Get close. He said that they'd been married, or they were practically married because they'd been together for three years. And yes. the dynamics of the relationship. Or you can just make dad translate all of it because. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Because you're so prideful. Did I mention he's prideful, Carl? He doesn't Put go. Put that in the letter. He waits till the last minute. To I will not stoop down to your little microphone. <laughs> get speeding tickets. He also thinks it's really funny to do the opposite of what somebody asked him to do. It's it awful. Is. I do that too. It's awful. He's awful. Yeah, but the point is, even a person who was in the writing program with me was like, that doesn't seem very like romantic, or that doesn't uh-huh. seem like a love letter sort of thing. How well did she know you? I mean... We've been. <laughs> a year That's and a half. question that you ask now that you've been married. You guys have been together now, what, 15 years, 12 years? We've been years? married 15 years. Married 15. We've been together for going on 20 years. Yeah. I don't think romantic would be in the top 10 list of words. That, that would, would not use. be one of her top 10. See? Yeah. Now you're going to make me defend myself because <laughs> I think. I think people would do well to learn how to write that way. I think that it's one of the most romantic things. I don't want to get a card from, you know, from Walmart that says, you're one of my favorite nieces. You know, I, that means nothing to me. puzzles come yeah. in pieces. It means nothing to me. If you can pull it right off the shelf and some somebody, somebody in another part of the world, probably who doesn't even speak English as a first language, wrote it. And Wasn't that what you're proposing to do for people? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, that's why I said I would like to sit across the table from somebody who's angry and be like, okay, tell me what it is that's making you angry. Like, what if if I asked you for one story that classified, and I would even know what the guy who was pounding the table this week would tell me. Oh, I, yeah. I yeah, know I exactly what, what is the story that keeps playing over and over again, that mental picture in his mind of the thing that keeps eating at him and yeah. he wants everybody to know because it so deeply wounded him. Yeah. This, I know what it is too. Yeah. And so I, that's going to obviously have to go in the letter somehow. Right. But there also has to be a, a twist or a, um, there has to be a narrative arc to the letter too. You don't just get to keep harping on that over and or over and over and over. he takes ownership of his own. Yeah. Where you realize that the reason flaws. it's bothering you so much is not just because this other person is the, the spawn of Satan himself, it's because of something you else. You have been, you've played a part in that. Yeah. You've played a part in his being where he is. Yep. And that's that's hard to face. Right. And if you're to the point now where you're sh- shouting things like, I don't even care if this person ever comes back to church again. I'm sorry 
But biblically, that is a bigger curse than the F word. If you are basically wishing for somebody to be sent outside the gates, you know, barred from heaven, barred from the family of God, and no longer welcome, you've cast them into hell. That is literally a worse curse, biblically speaking, than, you know, than the F word. Well, the opposite of love is not hate, but it's apathy. Uh, right. It's indifference. Right. But I'm, I'm talking about angrily declaring, I don't even care. As far as I'm concerned, I don't even care if they ever come back to church. Right. You know, that's, we have to that's deal with that. That's something, well, but it's not though, because he was shouting. He's angry. It's actually just bluster. It's actually just angry words. And that's it's also. It's not even true then. When somebody is swearing <laughs> at you, when two family members are shouting at each other, constantly trying to shout over each other, really all they're saying is, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. And so I would like to help people get to the bottom of that. I'd like to help them understand. You would like to help them be both be mad at you and not mad at each other. <laughs> well, that's what it takes, I guess. But I don't think they that's would your be. your service. In my, in my experience, most people have sort of this sense of like relief. Usually when they hear somebody else explain it in a way that helps make more sense of it yeah if if they're if they're people who are inhabited by the holy spirit i would say that's true if people who are not inhabited by the holy spirit are irrational and they are just emotional beasts and right they're not and i don't think that's what's happening here but most people when they're shouting i'm mad i'm mad i'm mad they're doing it because it's not working it's like scratching at an itch right and you can't reach it and it's like you know that it's not working, but at the same time, you don't know what else to do because you're being driven crazy. You just keep reaching for by it. By that itch back there. So if somebody else comes back behind you and puts their finger directly on it and gives it a good scratch, that's that's what I've experienced when I try to help people put their words onto paper. They're like, yes. And see, that's what she does. She makes a word picture. <laughs> she makes a word picture, and now we understand. It's like trying to scratch an itch that you can't reach. Right. And she comes along with her pen, which is mightier than a sword and mightier than a back scratcher. <laughs> and she puts it right on your itch. Right. And so you don't have to keep shouting the F word anymore because I'll give you a better you- way. <laughs> right. And you don't have to keep shouting at whoever's got their finger on the trigger in a picture on Facebook because I actually don't know what to do about that. Those people. <laughs> She's at a loss. I really don't know how to help you. You've got an itch that I don't even know it's how to scratch. It's been a 45-minute to end up at, I don't know how to help you. I guess I'll just let my family laugh at you because that's the only Which solution. Which we will do. Uh, Which we will do. All right. Well, I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about how we can save the world, but we ran out of time. So we'll have to talk about it next time. I thought we did. We write letters. No. That's no, how you save the world. That's how you save the world, but that's not the best way to do it. Oh. We'll do it. We'll do it next week. All right. Enjoy the theme music. Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.